Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. Even in jail, three meals a day, shelter, I had my own room. I was probably living a better life than 90% of the population of the world. Um, And that's what I kept reminding myself. I kept looking at the positives. I kept being grateful for what I did have um, and tried to be uh, a decent bloke for the first time in my life, caring about other, other people. In his own words, Stu Holmes had a blessed childhood. He had loving, supportive parents, a comfortable home with pretty much everything a young boy could want. He had two sisters he adored and an education many would just dream of. But it wasn't enough. Stu had never had to work too hard because much seemed to just fall into his lap. He had a natural ability in sport, academics and the gift of the gab, which I'm sure you'll note as we continue. He was popular at school, rising to the top in both sport and studies, and he was tall and athletic. Everything came easy, and he learned from a young age how to avoid responsibility. His father was the principal of one of Melbourne's most prestigious schools, so he felt untouchable. And I think he was pretty much untouchable, but he found drinking around 16 years of age, and everything else took place in line. After floating through his 20s, doing all sorts of different jobs, including a backpacker party host in Cairns and a tarot card reader in Byron Bay, as you do, he found recruitment was his thing. He began a recruitment company with a mate and it was almost too successful, winning many awards and accolades. Stu seemed to have the magic touch in many ways. He could just always get away with about anything, including close calls with the law. 
but he was always a step ahead. But often, as we know, partying long and hard leads to unsavoury places, situations and people. People who just want to know you will be seen with you because of who you are and what you can give them, not what you are. Relationships come and go and people get hurt. And you know what? Stu was no different. His life centred around drinking, partying and drug taking. It was never going to end well. Stu eventually found himself in a very dark and lonely place where he believed ending his life was the only answer. He'd lost his wife, his children, his friends, his reputation, his career and everything else he had. And in his mind, his life was worthless. His behaviour became so erratic, he held up a post office with a knife, which led to a term of imprisonment for armed robbery. And that's where everything changed. Prison gave Stu an opportunity to dry out, to think about what a mess he'd made of his life. And this was his chance at redemption and trying to make up a little of that mess. After his release, he founded a recruitment agency called the Green Collar Brigade. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, Which in conjunction with Wise Employment Group helps those coming out of prison find meaningful employment and believes everyone deserves a second chance. And I don't know about you, but I can't argue with that. So thanks for your time today, Stu. That's quite a, uh, a life you've already lived. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate um, you inviting me to do this, Narelle. And, um, yeah, floating through my 20s, I'm not sure I'd quite put it like that. I think it was I kind of hacked and smashed my way through my 20s um, with, uh, with all that it entails. And whilst other friends and colleagues were... Uh, you know, collecting good careers and moving forward and putting house down payments on. I was, um, I was just fooling around, and um, that's kind of how it was for me. Um, yeah, thanks for the intro. The Green Collar Brigade is actually um, uh, a non-profit group that uh, I started, and it started because when I was in jail, I didn't want to sweep the floors or uh, work in the kitchen. Um, or do woodwork or anything like that. I really wasn't very good with working with my hands and I didn't want to be picking up rubbish or anything like that. So I put it to the the wardens that I would actually help um, people in jail with their resumes, with interview skills, um, and just talk with them about how they could um, get work post-jail. And I was in conversations with a couple of TAFEs and so that's where the green collar name started and... um, it was green collar because, of course, we know white collar is for corporates and professionals. Blue collar, um, of course, are more trade and working class. Um, and green is the color we wear in jail. And it also represents rejuvenation and recycle and a new lease on life. So that's where the term green collar came from. Um, and the green collar brigade is a volunteer group where. Um, the green collar is integrated with Wise Employment, um, and it's a program called Wise Up, and it's for anyone coming out of jail or who've had trouble with the, with the criminal justice system. And we help them with um, a range of things, from mental health to um, assistance with housing in some instances, um, a feeling of purposefulness, and um, ultimately work. But it's about connecting. Often when we get out of jail is that feeling of disconnection and it's only um, maybe a family and a a few close friends who want to be around us Um, and 
the green collar creates, um, along with wise employment, that tribal unity of people who are trying to better themselves and make a difference. And, yeah, it's been working really well. Mm. Oh, it's just such a, a great initiative, Stu. It, um, as I've said many times in my podcast, it just gives people who um, people who have been in jail, I cannot imagine the difficulties and the struggles when you come out, uh, when you're released. And so your uh, Green Collar Brigade is just such a, yeah, a wonderful opportunity for people who realize a bit like you that you know I've um I've stuffed up mm. um, and I need to yeah redeem myself in a way hey Stu how long was it and we'll get to why you're in jail and all that mm. at some point but how long were you in jail before you started thinking of the future of this green collar brigade because you must have been at Pretty much I'm – oh, yeah, you were on remand, that's right. That's but right. you must have been at the lowest you had ever been when you got sentenced. Yeah, look, I, I, look when I was – well, funnily enough, when I was sentenced, I, I was the day I came out um, because I was on remand for nine months. Um, and so I didn't know what the future held. I was expecting um, potentially to be in for two or three years um, and I'll get to – some of the reasons why that wasn't the case as we go um, on with the podcast. But um, <clears throat> when I first got to jail, I was mad. I was mad as a cut snake and um, I it, it probably took me a week to really realise where I was, what had happened and started to clean up and sober up and just go, what the hell am I doing here? Um, and... That led to, um, yeah, I tried to kill myself and my, my cellmate was a um, debt collector for the Banditos and he um, actually called the screws um, and got help for me and I was, I was sent into a psych ward and I think that's really where, not a psych ward, it was um, a solitary um, under supervision and <clears throat> in the slot. So that's, that's when I really went, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to have to, I either die here or or turn things around, um, and it really was an ethereal moment where I've just thought, well, <clears throat> I've got two boys. I need to have this book finished differently. I can't have this be the last chapter. Um, and with a bit of sobriety and a bit of uh, you know crap out of my system, I was able to make the steps and change them, my mindset in in a way that was able to start. Yeah, creating a future that was um, the vision that I had. You know, just when you say then about, I was saying it doesn't get, or I'm thinking it doesn't get much worse than um, going to jail, but then it does because you just said then that you were put in solitary confinement due to your mental state. Like that is low. (laughs) I just can't think of how much lower you could go. Yeah, I mean, I was in a straitjacket. And um, look, interestingly, the support that I got from the medical staff at um, at Fulham Jail was really caring. And I can't put it any other any other way. I was, um, I called my partner, or, or they called my partner and put me on the phone. And my partner said, you've got a lot to live for. And um, yeah. They were really, you know, one, one woman in particular, she was um, 
she had that Mother Teresa style about her and, you know, she just really, you know, she was checking up on me all the time and I didn't care that I was in solid, solitary um, in that situation because um, I didn't want to be part of the prison um, and I just really needed to deal with what was going on inside my brain and I screamed out for God um, and not in a religious sense but just, I, I you know, I screamed out to the universe really and... Um, there was some things that happened from from that moment. Besides one of the other guys in the slot yelling, "Shut the f up!" Um, <laughs> uh, there was there was there was there was, a, there was a few internal um, recalibrations that happened from that moment, um, which okay. you know put my journey into some sort of perspective. And that's um, yeah, that's when it began after about the first week and a half of being um, in jail. Because I've got to say. You do hear, or I hear, so many negative stories about um, doing time, being in jail. It's actually really, uh, it's very reassuring, but it's great to hear a positive story about jail and the fact that you had people that really cared about you, uh, whether it be your cellmate or the the staff. I just think, gee, that's um, yeah, it's it's very, it's a it's a good outcome which mm. I didn't think there was all that many from being in jail, but good on you. The, the hardest thing for me was the um, the doubt that was hanging over with regards to how long I was going to be in there. Um, if I had have known when I first went in that it was going to be nine months or three months or 15 months, then mm. I think that would have been much easier and much more palatable. Like jail, jail in itself wasn't hard. I learned pretty quickly how to toe the line, um, I'm not someone that typically gets bullied on, um, and uh, <clears throat> in fact, what I, what I thought when I first got there is I thought I, I need to. I watched too many films, and I thought I need to stamp my authority here. I need to show that I'm not someone who can be pushed around. And so, one of these guys in the in the line um, lining up for food made a comment, and I've grabbed a knife, um, <clears throat> and I've I've started run, moving towards him with this knife, and. Within a second, I realised the knife was actually attached by a chain and it was only sort of about a metre that I could move and he started bursting into laughter and he became quite a good friend after that. Um, but, you know, that's think, but moments like that, people in jail weren't all rotten monsters or horrible people and I found it quite easy to make some friends and that sort of um, collective uh, community where we're, we're all in the same boat, um, there's a sense of, there's a prison camaraderie. There's, as long as you don't stuff with someone else or pinch other people's shit, then um, you'll do okay. As long as they don't suspect that you're, <clears throat> I mean, initially people were like, what's this guy in for? He's 48 years old and he doesn't he doesn't exactly look like a typical criminal. Um, mm. So there were some question marks over what my offences might be, but um, I was able to clear that up pretty quickly and, yeah, no, it was um, – parts of it were tough, but, yeah, you're right. The ability to turn my life around, um, I don't think jail per se was what um, contributed to my um, rehabilitation. I think it was just the mindset, this is rock bottom, this is it, this is the bottom of the line, I'm turning it around. Um, and wouldn't you, say, wouldn't you say that it was the catalyst, though, Stu, for you turning around? Because if you hadn't gone to jail – 
who knows where your life would have gone because you were prior, and correct me if I'm wrong, but prior to going in, you were just, you know, the world is, pardon me, fucked, I, I'm, I can't mm. be part of this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah. yeah absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, it took it took the bars of jail to separate me from drugs and alcohol. Uh, and and yeah, the mm. week before jail, I was um, in Monash Emergency after um, an overdose for attempted. Um, I tried to kill myself, and it looked like that was something that I'd been doing over the previous few months on several occasions. So yeah, absolutely. By going in, by being behind bars, and having to clean up my act just through force. I mean, you could get drugs in prison, but it was hard to get. And uh, it's not exactly you know, not exactly what you want to be doing, um, sitting in your cell as high as a kite, not able to sleep. Um, it's not exactly party time. So it wasn't something that I was chasing while I was in there, and it wasn't that easy to get um, anyway. So, yeah, it was a good chance just to reflect and say, okay, well, this I can't believe this is where my life's ended up. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, for, it forced that mindset change. Mm. Um, it must be a huge hurdle uh, to overcome with the, the Green Collar Brigade, you helping people that have just been released. I'm imagining from the perspective of a prospective employer to take a chance and employ someone with a criminal record, how do you get, how do you overcome that? How do you get around that mindset? Um, and this is something that we teach through Wise Up, and Wise Up is the name of the program which which I now run. It was the Green Collar Program, and, and Wise Employment have brought it in house. So Green Collar Brigade operates separately, and that's the volunteering side of things. But what we talk about, and what the main message is, only ten percent of employers actually um, do a criminal background check. Whilst it might be important to, at some stage, reveal some of your history, or it might come up. And we encourage it to come up in some in some manner because um, nothing worse than starting a job two months later, they find out that you've been in jail. So, but it's progressive revelation. It's not the sort of thing you talk about on the first interview, or you don't bang it on your resume and say, you know, th- three years in jail. Um, and it's what's happened since jail. And so, a lot of the time, so firstly, um, jail is a place where people get clean. Jail is, a, jail is a place where people serve their time. And so some of it's about re-education of employers. But if you're fair to income and say, well, I did the crime, I've served my time to commute to the community and I'm a different guy now. I haven't taken drugs or um, had a drink for however long. Um, Australia is a pretty forgiving country. You know, we're a, a country that has been uh, obviously fa- uh, the First Nations were here for, with with the first people, but um, then then the next lot who came were um, were convicts, and we've had Ned Kelly and Chopper Reed, and so we, we sort of have a a history of um, forgiveness and giving people a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. Um, so a criminal record isn't quite as much of a barrier as what's perhaps going on inside the mind of the person with the criminal record, and that's really where okay. most of the work needs to be done. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I would have, um, I don't know how. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If I employed some, and I am with you, Stu, I believe everybody deserves most people. 99% of this world uh, deserve a second chance, absolutely. But I think the only issue I have is that um, when do you actually tell your employer, uh, like I suppose honesty is the best policy, but I imagine the minute you tell somebody that you've done three years for armed robbery, that would be a big uh, hurdle for any employer to get over. But yeah, it, it's a it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you want to be honest, but if you are totally honest, I don't think there's many people that would take on somebody that said that. No, it's choosing your moment, and yeah, so much of yeah. it, so much of it is timing. I mean, I, so yes, I wouldn't be applying for a job at Australia Post. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be looking to get into a financial institution or even perhaps a large corporation. Or but, perhaps a policeman. I, yeah, that one. That's been that's been stricken off my list, and I wanted to be a lawyer for most of my when I was younger, and um, I can't be yeah. a lawyer either. So, look, there are doors that close, but I, I think if we focus on what we can't do, then we're not yeah. looking at yeah. the positives and looking at what we can do. And i i had a I had a pathway, and I had a strategy, and I had a vision when I came out, and I knew it was going to take some time for the world and society to forgive me and I knew it was going to be a slow ride back but it was within uh, less than three years of exiting jail that I was approached by Wise Employment um, and they said I was working in a a rehab at the time and I was helping people um, who had been released on bail to the rehab and my experiences having worked having been in jail was something that helped me identify with these people so it, I bet it did. Yeah, so it, cha- it, it changed the trajectory of what options I had in terms of employment. But, you know, coming from a recruitment background, I always believe that it's the last few steps that you've taken which define the next few steps that you need to take. And I 
was very much of that opinion that, okay, well, my future will actually lie in helping people with a criminal record because lived experience is something that is further up uh, on the um, prerequisite list for these sorts of, um, the sort of work I do than any sort of degree or any sort of um tertiary education it's people people can identify with me people can understand i've been there i've done that and um i've lived that life and therefore it breaks down that barrier that can exist um much quicker Mm. than um than perhaps if someone else was doing it you know and if there was a barrier uh, from let's say an employer I would imagine because of your lived experience you would be a great advocate to show that you can do three years for armed rob and you can make, um, you know, a, a good life again. You can try, uh, yeah, you can be successful uh, just because you have done time. I mean, it sounds terrible, doesn't it, as in three years for armed rob. But if you're an advocate for somebody that was coming out of jail, I think people would look at you and say, you know what, it's it's not a barrier at all. If Stu can do it, so can the people that he's advocating for. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said. I, I mean, I went for a I went for a job two months ago. So um, while I was waiting for Wise Employment, <clears throat> being a large government organisation uh, as part of Workforce Australia, there was a lot of checks and balances that needed to be undergone before they could bring me on with the program. Um, mm. So previously, it was just as an external contractor. Now, Wise Up has the um, actual program, and so that was going on. It was dragging its heels, and I thought, "Look, I'm going to see if I can get another job." Um, and I did that for two reasons. One was I just was interested to see if I could, um, and I like a challenge. And the other one was I wanted <laughs> to um, put a bit of pressure on Wise um, as a coming from the recruitment world, there's nothing more appealing to an employer than somebody who's hard to get already has another job offer. Um, So I went for a job um, as a manager of a recruitment firm and within 20 minutes I told them I'd been in jail for armed robbery and they still offered me the job. Um, So I think, uh, you know, but that's because some time had passed, Narelle. It's because um, I'm clean and sober. I'd got my boys back into my life and, the um, the externals were mirroring the internal and my honesty just came through. So look, it's different for everybody, but that was yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was my story. But certainly day one out of jail, um, hey, I've reformed, you know, give me a job, you know, I'm that that's no, no, that's not necessarily <laughs> the way it's going to go. Um, no. And we get that, and sometimes there is a bit of a journey and a bit of time that needs to pass before we can get our dream job again. Being in prison, it affects your life, obviously. Um, but we were talking just before, before we went uh, went to air. I love saying that, before we went to air. Uh, <laughs> we were talking and you wanted to go overseas at one point. You've been thinking about going, but will you never be able to go overseas? And I suppose what I'm asking is uh, how does it affect your life in what you want to do, apart from obviously what we've been talking about with employment? like travel and finding a home, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I, look, it, it does, and it depends on the offence that you've committed. I, I was um, recently approached to be um, considered for a board member for an organisation, and um, I was unable to because I can't become a company director for five years 
Um, with regards to travel, it's different for every every country, and um, I could possibly uh, just try to go to Bali, um, but I think if they dug into my record or if they dug deep, they perhaps would say this person has been in jail. I don't know if Bali is five years, ten years. I suspect it's life. Um, I, I'm pretty sure America's life unless you get some sort of categorical exemption. Um, and so, yeah, it would be difficult to go to some places. And, again, though, it's about um, – and a lot of people who come in and we work with – like, I can't do this, I can't do that, I've lost my kids, I haven't got a house, and, you know, it's all doom and gloom. Um, and sometimes we need to look at life from a, um, a telescope as opposed to the microscope and go, well, these are, this is what I don't have, what do I have? And even in jail, I think we were saying this off air beforehand, um, even in jail, three, three meals a day, shelter, I had my own room, um, after the first couple of months, I was probably living a better life than 90% of the population of the world. Um, and that's what I kept reminding myself. I kept looking at the positives. I kept being grateful for what I did have um, and tried to be uh, a decent bloke for the first time in my life, I, caring about other, other people. And, yeah, there's, there's barriers. There's, there's no question about that. But if we're looking at the barriers and saying, I don't trust anyone because everyone screwed me over and um, life's just not fair and I'm a victim of this and that. I think with, with that approach, it's very difficult to start seeing change. And I know it's easier to be easier said than done, but over the 28 days that we work with Wise Employment and run these programs, um, we shift mindsets where we're all part of this group. We all get it. We've all had we've all had shit come our way, and most of it was probably because we made mistakes ourselves. Um, and it's owning that, and then saying, "But it doesn't have to be that way forever." Um, and p- there's a lot of people who will give you a chance. So it's changing on a world scale. The United Nations um, have now included people with a um, criminal record as a diverse group. And by 2025, there's a range of laws coming into all the United Nations countries, which Australia is one of them, which is to not discriminate against people um, uh, with a a diverse background. So I think we're changing. It's one of the last frontiers because it's it's a diversity that I guess has happened because of the behaviour we've... um, participated in as opposed to just the way we were born but people change um and uh redemption is something that um, as we get older we decide that we want a different life for ourselves and for the people who we love and around us and um uh, yeah that's look that's my experience and um barriers there's barriers everywhere and we we just talk about ways of overcoming those and i help people overcome those barriers too i get on the phone call up certain employers we find people who will take them again it depends on the offense it depends on how long ago and it depends on the sort of work they're they're looking for but um there's hope there really is Um, and it's about survival to begin with and housing um, and our next meal is the most important thing. Once we can satisfy that, we can start looking at the other things. Gee, I'll tell you what, Stu, I'd love to have you in my corner if I was just uh, released <laughs> from jail. Um, so 
Can we go on to your blessed life? Um, uh, you were saying that, oh, I don't know, your late 20s, early 30s, was it, where you discovered that lethal cocktail of uh, success, alcohol and drugs, and your life started spiralling out of control. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your blessed life and how um, that blessed life uh, affected your relationships and and also about spiralling out of control. Um, you know, say with your parents, your siblings. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, look, I was able to pull it off until I wasn't. And um, there have been brushes with the law. I, I got in trouble in my in my 20s for, um, you know, some, some petty sort of fraud stuff. And I was always in trouble with alcohol. I, I wasn't a terrible drunk, but I was a very vocal um, and wicked-tongued drunk where I would um, say any number of things to any number of people, which upset a bunch of relationships, um, including my career that uh, stuffed with that. Um, Drugs, look, they've always been thrown in there, I guess, from a recreational or slightly more than recreational. But when I lost access to my my children, my partner had had enough, my ex-wife had had enough of my drinking and my... Um, promise to go sober and then my inability to do so. And when my marriage ended, um, that's when things really spiralled and that was around 10 years ago. And I went into rehabs primarily to try and um, smooth things over and initially to get my family back on track. Um, When that became clear that it wasn't going to happen, um, I rebelled against that and started taking more drugs. I just couldn't deal with the pain. And so the blessed life came back on me and I just hadn't developed emotionally to a level where I had had to deal with the grief that perhaps some other people had had in, the, in their early life and where they were more um, adapt to dealing with it and capable of coping um, with certain things that don't go right. I was just used to having things go right. And so my grief was very significant. And um, so my drug taking increased, my relationships started to deteriorate. I managed to find a lovely partner who I still have today who met me and <clears throat> I was in the middle of this, but she supported me and loved me and has stuck with me and She's probably the reason I'm alive today. She never abandoned me. Um, and I think underneath it all, she knew I was a decent guy who was just making some pretty bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my family stuck by me too, my mum my and, my, and my two sisters. I wasn't particularly happy with the way the relationship was. I, I When my dad died sort of just over 10 years ago, uh, I probably took on the role of the um, the man of the, of the family, but it just wasn't something that I was able to maintain because I was um, drinking a lot and uh, taking – I was starting to slide into that world of, of drugs and misbehaviour um, to a higher degree. Uh, yeah, so relationships deteriorated. They, they fractured, but um, ultimately, you know, people did stick – stick by me, and I was really lucky that doesn't happen for everyone. Gee, you're right, Stu. I'm, I'm just wondering there about 
how your mum and your siblings, who you're obviously very close to, um, how they dealt with uh, your deterioration and ultimately you being uh, remanded in prison. How Do you know how they dealt with that or have you spoken about that? I struggle to face that. Um, Bet you do, yeah. And recently my mum wrote, um, she's actually part of a uh, a group of parents who've got kids in jail and she's, yeah. stayed, she's, yeah. she's stayed connected to that group um, because she wants to help people. She's a beautiful Christian woman and so she stayed as part of that and she said to me about a month and a half ago, I, um, I want to write a story about um, how it affected us, you going to jail. And I said, I can't read it, Mum. Um, I'm no. I'm still only managing to yeah. deal with um, the remorse and shame that I feel and I, I'm probably not ready to have to face all of the pain and the torment that you've had to go through. I, I, look, I, I, get, I get it, but I don't want to be reminded of it. And sometimes particularly with grief, it's important to deal with it at times that you're able to do that emotionally. And I still see a psychologist today and it's maybe something for tomorrow, maybe something for a few weeks after, but they're just all absolutely wrapped that I'm doing what I'm doing and I've turned things around and I'll unwrap some of that pain and some of that that torment when I'm able to and and, and perhaps... um, deal with it um, at that stage. But, you know, Stu, it might be that you never are able to read that book or talk to your mum, but I think, um, you know, sometimes things are so painful you just can't go back there, particularly pain, the, what you must have, I do apologise, but what you must have put your parents through or particularly your mum because she's been there when you went inside. You know, sometimes things are you know, too painful and they just have you have to pass and think I can't deal with it. You know, I don't think that's any, and I know you're not ashamed of it, I'm just saying that's sometimes how it is. Um, During that party lifestyle that you had, that phase, did you ever think at any point that you needed to stop or take some sort of control? Were you capable of thinking that? Next week I talk to Stu about the effect not being able to see his kids had on him and more about his difficulties in dealing with what he'd put his family through and how even to this day he hasn't really spoken much to his mum about what happened because of the guilt that he carries really with what he's put her through and and his um, family. Uh, He also talks about the article in a paper which really turned his life around but at the time the humiliation that it caused and of course, more about his brilliant concept in helping those in prison upon release getting employment. I just find Stu's attitude um, so captivating, but also really inspiring. Anyway, have a great week and we'll talk next week. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) 
Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.